Live from Nashville, Tennessee, this is the Campfire Cafe on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. miles of fence to mend these bones are getting older but I saddle up again no need for complaining about all you gotta do you just keep on getting stronger or it'll get the best of you on the yellow stone yellow stone some things are worth living for some things are worth dying for some things are just better left alone on the yellow stone. I was born a rancher, learned the cowboy ways, raised up in Montana, watching cattle graze. Ain't no amount of money that could measure what it's worth. All the blood, sweat, and tears shed upon the surf. On the yellow stone, the yellow stone. Some things are worth living for. Some things are worth dying for. Some things are just better left alone. On the yellow stone. Some things are worth dying for. Some things are just better left alone on the Yellowstone. Winds are blowing colder. There's miles of fence to mend. These bones are getting older. I saddle up again. Our good friend, Miss Joni Harms, with her song, Yellowstone, from Nashville, Tennessee. I'm your host, Gary Holt, and welcome to the Campfire Cafe today. We are going to have a great show on the Campfire Cafe and then followed by Saddle Up America. On Saddle Up America, we'll be visiting Road to the Horses, Tammy Schrantz, and we'll be talking about that event that's coming up in just a very few days. But on the Campfire Cafe, we are going to have a great time visiting with Miss Patty Clayton. So stay tuned for that. But right now, let's take a listen to a song from Patty. It's one from her album, The Real West. We'll be back in just a moment on the Campfire Cafe.
Midwest Blues. That's Patty Clayton from her album, The Real Out West, or The Real West. And uh, Patty is an award-winning singer-songwriter who has spent time in Colorado, but she's also done some residences in some other places. So we're going to have a great time visiting with her and finding out more about Patty today on the show. But right now, let's make well welcome Miss Patty Clayton. Hey, Patty. Howdy. <laughs> Thank you so much Howdy. for having me on. It's great to hear your voice. Well, thank you. It's good to have you back with us. It's been just a little while, a few days since you were on the show. And, uh, yeah. yeah, so let's kind of just start off about where where were you raised? Where are you born and raised? Where are you from? Well, I was born in Tacoma, Washington, because my dad was uh, stationed at Fort Lewis in the Army at the time. And uh, at the age of three, when he was discharged from the service, um, we moved to Portland, Oregon. And I lived in Portland until I was about, uh, I'm going to say about 19. 18, 19, 20 years old, something like that. Um, And then I moved to Lincoln City, Oregon, which was on the coast of Oregon. And I was there until about 1989, and then I moved to Colorado. So I've been here for a little while. Wow. A a few years. A few years. Yeah. You could be called called a a lifelong resident almost of of Colorado. (laughs) Almost. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So let's go back because I love your music. And uh oh, thank you. I, I was listening through the album The Real West the other day and it was like, you know, I can hear a lot of folk influence in that. That last song you can almost feel a little bluegrassy. And uh Well, yeah. Yeah, so what have been your musical influences? You know, uh, I would have to say that folk music and bluegrass has been my biggest influences, but I so distinctly remember growing up, uh, my dad had uh, a turntable, uh, a freestanding turntable that sat on this little uh, console that had little legs on it, and we always had... Marty Robbins and Sons of the Pioneers and uh, Gene Autry and Roy Rogers music going all the time in the house. And so I grew up listening to a lot of that. Uh, I started taking guitar lessons when I was just before first grade. And oh, wow. I, I was immediately drawn to like Peter, Paul and Mary type folk music, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. things that were easy to listen to and easy to sing along with. And I I just, I remember <laughs> so distinctly in between guitar lessons, I would sit in my room and I would have my records going on on my turntable. And I was playing my guitar along with the records and I was singing along with Peter, Paul and Mary. And my dad got a little um, peeved about that because he thought that I was wasting time singing 
to my records instead of practicing what I had been taught by my <laughs> guitar teacher. <laughs> and I remember one day he came and he pounded on my door and he said, I'm not paying for you to sit in there and listen to your records and play your guitar with your records. Shut that stuff off. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, so they were my influences early on, and then I really got into bluegrass in the uh, 1970s. I started going to bluegrass festivals, and again, it was music that was uh, easy for me to pick up and easy for me to sing and sing harmony to, and um, and then later on in life, and this has only been in the last 20 years, I really got into Western Swing. And uh, that last song that you just played, Gone, uh, Long Gone Out West Blues, uh, was a folk song that was written by Ferris and Jason Romero out of Horsefly, Canada, uh, British Columbia. And um, they did it kind of slow, yet kind of bouncy. And I loved yeah. that song. And I decided to swing it up. And Ferris, when she heard my rendition of it she was like "Woo, that's got some punch to it she liked it a lot (laughs) (laughs) so i've been Uh, doing more western swing type stuff as well now but um it's it's always been acoustic i've never really gotten into playing any kind of an electric instrument or electric type you know music at all so right well you you have a you have a great voice we're going to share plenty of your music today on the show. Oh, thank you. But uh, how many, by the way, how many instruments do you play? Well, uh, guitar is kind of my main instrument, but I, I also do play acoustic upright bass. And okay. I've had uh, the honor of playing that with a local bluegrass band uh, when they need a bass player on occasion in the last few years. Um, but I've had my bass for almost 30 years now. And I also do a little bit of claw hammer banjo work. Um, I haven't done as much of that recently as what I did in the beginning um, because it's kind of inconvenient to always have to carry around two instruments, (laughs) let alone two (laughs) instruments in sound. But uh, those are the main instruments. I did fiddle around with fiddle a little bit, and I got the the message loud and clear every time I picked up the fiddle, my cat would bolt out the door. So I, I guess that <laughs> told me that maybe it wasn't as crazy right as I thought it was. <laughs> oh, gosh, that's funny. Yeah. That is funny. <laughs> well, I want to get to some more music real quickly. This one is called Prairie Dog Blues. Tell us about this song. Oh, my gosh. Well, this was my first attempt at writing a blues song. And... Um, it it actually came a little bit easier than I thought it would, but I wanted to, th- this album, The Real West, is um, a concept album, and it's just a compilation of music that I wrote about experiences and life on the trail of, uh, for the immigrants and their lives on the trails coming from the east and west. And prairie dogs were something that they encountered, and prairie dogs are something that we live with still today. And I love little prairie dogs. I just, I love how they look. I love how they talk. And I wanted to uh, give this song um, from the perspective of the critter himself, because they have a very precise and sophisticated method of communication. And so he's telling his own story on this song. 
All right. Well, let's take a listen. This is Prairie Dog Blues. We're talking with Patty Clayton today on the Campfire Cafe.
love that. I love that. Oh, Gray Dog you. Blues, Fatty Clayton, and I'm I telling should, you. Al- I should mention that's uh, John Chandler on the fiddle, on the uh, harmonica there. All right. All right. John's one of my favorites. And you play a lot with Ernie Martinez as well, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. He's he's getting harder to uh, try and rope him in for gigs because he's so busy. He's so popular. But, yeah, John Chandler, Ernie Martinez. Um, there's a couple other fiddlers that I get to choose from around town on occasion too, but uh, they're they're my main go-tos. <laughs> oh gosh, well they're all talented, super super nice guys as well. So yeah. Well, you had mentioned just a, a few minutes ago a little bit about immigrants and traveling, and uh, mm-hmm. your website is great, by the way, pattyclayton.com, pattyclayton.com. But I was on the website a little bit earlier, and you had done a little documentary about Ben and Oli, and uh, I found that just fascinating. So tell us a little bit about Ben and Oli and your experience there. Well, uh, Ben and Oli were my great-grandparents. Benjamin Franklin Reeves was my great-grandfather. He was born in uh, Sullivan County, Missouri in 1858. And his bride, Julia Nelson, uh, he basically nicknamed her Oli. She was like 25 years his junior. Uh, But Uh they got married in 1901. And uh, my great-grandfather, Ben Reeves, uh, was nine years old when my great-great-grandparents threw him and the rest of the kids in the wagon, and they came out west. So they were Oregon Trail pioneers. And they landed uh, just south of La Grande, Oregon. And um, this was in 1867, I think, kind of late on the trail, actually. Wow. Um, but um, they landed just outside of La Grande. And uh, as my great-grandfather Benjamin was growing up, he became uh, a trail boss for uh, a couple of cattle outfits um, in uh, Oregon, and he started up rounding up wild horses uh, for the government in Oregon. And as he got older, he moved back towards, uh, to the east, and he moved back into Idaho, uh, where he settled um, and built his first of two ranches outside of Wapshilla Creek uh, in um, near Lewiston, Idaho, kind of northern Idaho area. And yeah. so my, his, his daughter, my great aunt, uh, Margaret, was telling me all about this ranch when I would go visit her. And she was showing me pictures, and I kept saying, I've got to go see that place. And I was fortunate enough to hook up with the um, – Idaho State Fish and Game um, group and Sam Neal, who mm-hmm. actually drove me out there in 2004 to the Wapshilla Creek Ranch, and we spent the whole day out there. I got to see the house. I got to see the old barn. I got to see all the land. We found horseshoes. I got to see everything that had been left behind by them. And then in 2005, Sam Uh, took me to the Deer Creek Ranch, which was on the other side of the Navajo Navajo Reservation there. 
and I got to see that ranch where they used to uh, keep the, the cattle there. Uh, I believe that was in the summertime, and that's where the loading docks and everything were uh, for shipping the cattle out. So I took a lot of pictures and wrote a song about it, Ben and Oli's Land, and decided to make a documentary as a gift for my family for Christmas one year. And somebody from Elko, uh, from the National Cowboy Poetry Gathering, caught wind of the fact that I was making this documentary, and they encouraged me to enter it into the um, video uh, competition that they have there. Um, I'm trying to remember what that competition was called, but it was, it's like a, a Western videos and yeah. it placed in the top 10. Uh, so mm -hmm. it's now on, in the archives at uh, the um, uh, folklore center there. And I got to present it in 2008. I got to present it uh, to the gathering there. And um, it's just, it's, I watch it. I probably watch my documentary twice a year. <laughs> I just love it. <laughs> well, it's beautiful. I, I didn't get to watch the entire thing, but I watched almost all of it. And uh, and the scenery was just absolutely gorgeous, just breathtaking. And that was between, what, the Salmon and the Snake Rivers or something? Well, yeah, yeah. It, it was, um, as a crow flies, I think it's about 40 miles north east of Lewiston, Idaho, and it's in some uh, pretty hilly country, um, uh, kind of really close to where the snake and the salmon converge, and his his property was right off the salmon river there, and wow. um, there's actually a, uh, a group of pilots that fly little planes, uh, and you used to be able to land right there, and I think there's still a landing strip there, but it's very difficult to get into. Uh, you, I don't think you can even get into it by four-wheel drive anymore since they have recent flooding oh, and really? fires in the last decade. Wow. Yeah, I think the only way to, to get into it now is probably by air. And uh, there is, there's actually a couple of videos posted on uh, YouTube of a of one guy in particular that did fly his plane into the property. And so it's, it's pretty neat to see it, you know, from the air too, which I have not done personally. Well, that's a real Western history that you have. It is. So yeah. your love of Western music, uh, you come by that honestly, I think, because your history is so steeped in that. It's, it's yeah, kind of it's cool definitely deal. in my blood. And I, yeah. I'm still, you know, digging back and just trying to learn more about my family, and and uh, it's been a great adventure so far. I would think so. So I'm going to encourage people to visit your website, pattyclayton.com, and uh, and check out that video of the documentary on there. It's fascinating to be able to sit there and yeah. watch that. And there's and there's some pretty good music that goes along with it too. I'll throw that out. <laughs> Yeah, thank you for that. Well, you're welcome. We're going to take a listen to another song. This one is Prairie Passages from the album The Real West. Tell us about this song, Patty. Well, this song uh, was encouraged, again, by my family history. Um, and also as an idea from my sister-in-law, who lives here in Colorado. Uh, she knew about my 
love of my family history and my love of the West and my love of the Oregon Trail pioneers and all that. And she said, you know, you ought to create an album and call it Prairie Passages and just sing about all the different things, you know, that the immigrants went through. And so I had already had that idea in mind and I already knew that I was going to call the album The Real West. But I took her idea and I wrote the song Prairie Passages after visiting Guernsey, Wyoming, where registered cliffs are and ruts for the wagon wheels are. I drove up to Guernsey, Wyoming to see if I could find my great-great-great-grandparents' names carved into the wall there. And unfortunately, I was not, not able to find it. Um, but there are names of those pioneers still etched into those limestone cliffs. And um, it just uh, basically encouraged me and inspired me to write this song about the, the, the trail that they took and the time that it took to get there and the reasons why they went. And so that's, that's where Prairie Passages comes from. A great song. Let's take a listen to that. We'll come back and talk more with Patty today on the Campfire Cafe.
Across the great plains On the wings of a bird We follow the sun From the east to the west And give thanks each night For each day we've been blessed Passages, Patty Clayton, and uh, Patty, what is your writing process like? Oh, it kind of depends <laughs> on how inspired I am. <laughs> it, it's uh, it's all over the map, let me tell you that. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, um, songs like that one, songs like uh, Red Buffalo, uh, my song Black Hay, Montana's Yesterday, some of those came really quick and really easy. Um, uh-huh. It was just, I, I almost couldn't get the words out of my head down on paper fast enough. Other songs take me years to get through. Uh, wow. But I'm, I, uh, some people write the lyrics first and then they put music to it. Some people would make the music first and then put words to it. I I basically am the type that the words and the music come to me at the same time. Wow, and really? So, yeah, I don't know how that is, and I've never tried to do it any other way. I mean, if I'm inspired by a line or something that I've heard, it almost always comes in my head with a melody. And so that's that's kind of been... Uh, my my whole pattern, my my style is to hear it in my head and then start putting it down, get, getting the words on paper. Uh, and sometimes at the end of a little session where I'm trying to get everything out, I'll have to record what I've got down just so I don't forget it when I go back the right. next day to pick up where I left off for the next year. <laughs> So it's it's a different process for every song, but it's basically kind of the same. Yeah. Now, are you are you the kind of person that sits down and writes every day, or just something triggers no. something and you start to write, or what? Yeah, I uh, I did try and discipline myself to write something down every single day for quite a few years, and uh, my my work, my profession, my medical profession was just in the way because my brain was so full of what I had to know for my work and what I had to do and how I had to prep for the day and everything that it took more time than what I felt like I could really commit and be productive with in order to do it that way. So I, I stopped doing that a long time ago. Uh, I've always got music going on in my head. It's not always creative. It's not always what I'm, you know, trying to write. It's what I'm trying to right. learn. It's uh, what I hear other people saying uh, that I, that really catches my ear. So there's always music going on there. But um, no, it it right now it's just more when I'm inspired. And it seems like if I have a deadline. If I have some kind of a deadline, I can be more productive at that point. <laughs> I think but, we all are. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, gosh. Well, let's take a listen to another song from the album, The Real West. This is called The Lilacs and the Roses. Can you tell us about this song? Yes. So this song was actually written by a friend of mine who lives in Spokane, Washington. I'm sorry, Pullman, Washington. He'll kill me if I said Spokane. Uh, His name is John McInturf. He's a retired dentist, and he's a phenomenal fiddler. He's a bluegrass enthusiast. He plays a lot of bluegrass music, uh, and he loves folk music. Um, He wrote this song, several years ago and shared it with me while I was still living in Hawaii. And he asked me to um, kind of find the, the melody that he had worked his, his guitar work around and uh, take his words and, and put this into a, mel- a melodious song. So I did. And I kept hearing this Celtic influence in his guitar work. His guitar playing on this is stellar. I absolutely love his guitar playing on this. And I I do not perform this song because I cannot play the guitar the way he plays the uh. guitar on this song. And so it's it's a really beautiful song, though, about the evolution of uh, the settling of the West. And um, it's it's become a pretty well-listened-to song on this album, and I, I absolutely love this song. Well, this is a great song. It's called The Lilacs and the Roses. We'll be back. The lilacs and the roses Where sagebrush used to be They mark the dead and failed From death and guard their legacy The hardy souls who planted them A faded memory The lilacs and the roses Where sagebrush used to be They came out west where land was cheap and tried to make a stand Where coyotes, snakes, and red tails clearly had the upper hand They put down roots and built their homes and raised their families They worked the land and planted seeds for sagebrush used to be The summer days were hot and dry, the winters bitter cold The children often died when born or just a few years old Again in spring they plant in memory The lilacs and the roses Where sagebrush used to be For many years they fought the wind And fire and sunk and drought and many tears were shed in vain when nature forced them out. The earth reclaimed all that was hers. There's nothing left to see but lilacs and the roses where sagebrush used to be. It's ash to ash and dust to dust and nature never mourns. When life is done and races run from dust, new life is born. From ash and hope and heartache, life blooms eternally. The lilacs and the roses where sagebrush used to be. The dust runs round a rusty nail, the shadows growing long. In amber sky, the nighthawks cry their haunting twilight song. The setting sun through broken clouds lights up for all to see. The lilacs and the roses where sagebrush used to be. 
the lilacs and the roses for sagebrushes to be. Awesome, awesome, awesome. The lilacs and the roses. And, Thank uh, you. Yeah, your, your, your daddy would have been pretty proud of those lessons that he was paying for. So he could play that on the guitar. You know, my, my dad died when I was 13 years old. And oh, wow. I keep I keep thinking that I think in the long run I hope he would have been proud. <laughs> but, I bet he would. I bet he would. Yeah. I bet he would. Yeah. I bet he would. Well, you had mentioned uh, your medical career, and you spent mm-hmm. time in Hawaii and in Alaska. And what were you doing over in Hawaii? I worked for a large perinatology group, which is a group of doctors that specialize in high-risk pregnancies. And I was a uh, diagnostic sonographer. My job was one of, uh, we had about a dozen sonographers in our department, uh, and my job Uh, along with those other sonographers, was to do the ultrasound exams on the pregnancies that had problems. And um, we had uh, a large, large group of doctors. We had a large group of sonographers. We had a large department. And we covered um, patients that came to us from uh, all around the Hawaiian Islands themselves, and then um, the Marshall Islands, Chuuk, uh, all the Micronesian Islands, some from the Philippines. Uh, we kind of covered that Pacific Rim wow. as the main um, high-risk pregnancy center uh, for the Pacific, and it was a really rewarding job. Um, that's where I finished my career. Uh, was in Hawaii. I did the same kind of work along with general ultrasound in Alaska uh, for an agency that sent me up there um, on occasion. And I worked in Colorado um, doing uh, locum tenens work around uh, the Denver area and outside of Denver uh, before I actually started doing more traveling to Alaska and Hawaii. But I couldn't have asked for a better place to spend the last full 10 years of my career and my profession than where I was in Hawaii at Kapilani Medical Center in the Fetal Diagnostic Center. What what island was that on? That was on the island of Oahu in the city of Honolulu. And I lived right in Waikiki. So I was walking distance from the hospital. Very convenient. That's great. That is great. That, That wouldn't spoil you at all be in that kind of no, climate. No, not, not in the least. Not at all. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, and and I think I saw, didn't you do some performing while you were over there? Yes, I had the opportunity to fill in uh, with a bluegrass band called the Saloon Pilots. Um, I was their guitar player off and on for many years, uh, and I got to play with a local musician by the name of Gordon Freitas, who is basically a direct descendant of uh, the Hawaiian Paniolo, Hawaiian cowboy culture. And I got to play with uh, a lot of different people while I was over there. I did a fair amount of performing uh, while I was there and uh, got to bring 
my Western music farther west to the southwest highlands of, of Hawaii <laughs> and um, really, really enjoyed sharing my music over there and getting to meet the people that played over there. They have a really good uh, large bluegrass community over there, so I got to be involved in that. I'm still involved in that. I'm still a member of the Bluegrass Hawaii Association over there. And oh, wow. um, it's yeah, great, great music. And I mean, I just, I love the the traditional Hawaiian music. And that's that's what I would go out to listen to when I wasn't listening to bluegrass or to myself. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, gosh. And, and you were real out west. That was the real out west, that way. That's about as far west as you can get, yep. That's about as far west as you can get. Well, yeah. there is another great song. You mentioned this one a little bit earlier, and uh, we want to get to this one right now. It's called Red Buffalo. Tell us about this song. Oh, yes. Thank you so much. This this uh, this song um, has a couple of different inspirations. I mean, living out in the West, none of us are strangers to wildfires anywhere, and um, just having witnessed a couple of wildfires uh it reminded me many many years ago of um the osage native americans uh from the central plains regions would call the prairie fires the red buffalo uh because it was like a stampeding herd of buffalo as the fires yeah. would sweep across the prairies and uh this song is timely even now, I mean, with the number of wildfires that we experience and see and witness, you know, all through the West and um, in such places that you don't expect them, like Lahaina, Maui, uh, which burned yeah. to the ground yeah. here just uh, this last fall, this last late summer into, into the fall. And um, uh, parts of Chile right now, Chile are burning uh horrible wildfires down there so it doesn't matter where you go the wildfires always sound like the stampeding herd of buffalo and the red buffalo being the fire so that's where this one came from all right here is the red buffalo we're talking with patty clayton we'll be back today on the campfire cafe
Buffalo, Patty Clayton. You are listening to the Campfire Cafe, heard around the world on our website at equestrianlegacy.net, on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and most streaming platforms. Just search for Equestrian Legacy Radio. Well, Patty, we're just having a great time yes. listening to you and finding oh, out more about fun. your history. I'm telling you what, it is so much fun. But uh, <laughs> I had mentioned to you earlier that we have started doing road stories on this show. Yes. <laughs> Do you have a road story you can share with us? Well, I do. Um, I don't, it's not necessarily really humorous, but <laughs> it's uh, it's the most recent road story that I can think of. Um, I own, I own a 1991 Toyota Winnebago. So it's wow. a, it's a little, a little half ton Toyota truck that has a, a little 20 foot a Winnebago Warrior coach on it. I've had yeah. that for 25 years. Oh and my 26 gosh. years, actually, this month. Oh, almost to the day. Oh, my gosh, I just realized. Yeah, I bought it in 1998, in February of 1998. Wow. And it's, I've taken it out on the road every single year from here to Oregon, here to Idaho, here back east, wherever I go. It's my home away from home, and I love it dearly. Um, this last uh, May uh, in 2023, I was driving from Colorado to Oregon. Unfortunately, I was trying to get there in time to be there for my mother's memorial service. My mom had oh. passed away on New Year's Eve of 2022, and we decided so that we could have the whole family out. Uh, everybody had to travel some distance. We decided to make her memorial service in May. So I left home uh, in my little Toyota truck the end of April and started driving. Um, I had uh, given myself about four extra days to get there early so that I could help, you know, get with the preparations and everything right. all done. Right. And this rig now has 213,000 miles on it. And I have had very little problems with it in the 25 years that I've owned it because I've kept it up. I've kept it, kept yeah. really good care of it. And um, so I'm driving to Oregon and I get through parts of Idaho. I'm driving through Boise. And I don't know if, what the freeways are like back there in Nashville or around Tennessee, but what they're Crazy. doing here in Colorado and in different states out here in the West is they're changing the freeways from asphalt to concrete. And so now you have these concrete slabs that are literally like blocks uh, on the freeway. Oh. And when you drive on that, it makes this really much different noise than when you're driving on asphalt. It's yeah. like a kazunk, 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 yeah. you know, and it's like a whirring. So I'm driving through Boise and I hear this noise and it's like, oh man, there's that noise again. Oh yeah, look at there's concrete on the road. It's not asphalt. And I leave um, Boise and I'm back on asphalt and it seems like it's quieter. And I get to Baker City, Oregon, and I'm 
back on this concrete, and now the noise is just like, I, I can't even hear my music on my radio. <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay, something's going on. So I stopped. This was on a Saturday. So I stopped uh, at a RV park, and I thought, I'm just going to camp here for a couple of days. I'm going to take it into the mechanic on Monday and see what's going on. So I camp in this little campground. Monday morning, I get up. I'm at the front door Monday morning, and he's like, do you have an appointment? And I said, no, but I'm on my way to Portland to my mother's memorial service, and I just want to make sure everything's okay. And so they take it out for a test drive. And sure enough, all my wheel bearings are shot. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> and I had to – he says, I cannot fix this in a day. And I said, okay, um, I, I, I'm happy to leave it here, but I'm not going to be able to get back for at least another three weeks to a month to pick it up. And oh, he wow. said, that's fine. We'll get it fixed, and then we'll just leave it here for you. So the wife – the owner – uh, takes it into the garage and starts ordering the parts. And the wife says, well, how are you going to get to Portland? And I said, I guess I'm going to have to take a Greyhound bus. So she took me to the Greyhound bus station the next morning, put me on the Greyhound bus, and it was a over 300-mile trip on the back of a Greyhound bus that was completely packed with people with no air conditioning. Oh, no. June now. <laughs> Oh, from no. Baker City to Portland, and oh my God! By the time I got to Portland, I was just so exhausted and emotionally spent, and it was like, okay, I made it. <laughs> now we Jeez. can get on with planning, you know, and finishing up my mother's memorial, and then I had to fly back to Denver um, for two weeks, and then I flew back to Portland. And then I flew from Portland to Pendleton and then took a bus from Pendleton to Baker City to pick up my rig to drive all the way back to the coast of Oregon to put my house oh, on the gosh. <laughs> Oh, no. So that's my oh, road no. story. <laughs> oh, wow. That's quite a road story. That's a little bit longer journey than most people have to tell about their road story. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's quite a road story. I'll have to remember that one. Well, you have <laughs> been a great, great guest and it has been so much fun listening with you and sharing music today and uh, look forward to having you back again, but we want to remind people of your website and that is, one more time pattyclayton.com this way it sounds patty with a Y yeah pattyclayton.com, visit her website it's a great website and you can order music there. And by the way, Patty, send me that Bluegrass album, would you? I know you've got a Bluegrass album on there. So. Oh, yeah. It's called Heartland Express. I'll send that That's to right. you today. All right. Sounds good. Well, we look forward to having you back again. And, again, thank you so much for being with us today. We're going to take a listen to one more song from the album The Real West, and that is One Lone Man. Patty Clayton, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate you. Oh, thank you. Pleasure to talk with you as always. All right. Look forward to having you back.
America on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. When we come back, we're going to be talking Road to the Horse.
Kennedy, Road to the Horse, and you are listening to Saddle Up America on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. And now we are going to be talking Road to the Horse with our good friend, Miss Tammy Schrantz. How are you, Tammy? I'm great. I enjoyed that song. <laughs> <laughs> Had you heard that song before? Yes, sir. You know, it started, and I'm like, man, this sounds really familiar. And, uh, yeah, then I'm like, that's because it's Road to the Horse. <laughs> that's because it's Road to the Horse. Yeah, Marianne had written that song several years ago, I think, for Road to the Horse, and it performed it, it there. Yeah, maybe 11 or 12. Gosh. <laughs> Been a while. Still good. Been a while. Now you're aging me. Now you're aging me. You're telling people how aging long Aging me? Been I feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> You are. You are. Well, March the 21st through the 23rd, there is a huge event taking place at the Alltech Arena in Lexington, Kentucky, at the Kentucky Horse Park. And for folks that are listening around the world that may not be familiar with Road to the Horse, tell us what this is all about. Yeah, it's a phenomenal event. Like the event, the the objective of the event is to show people what partnerships can be achieved with the horse with the right communication. So we bring in untouched horses. Uh, they are they are not Mustangs. They have been uh, domestically bred, but they have not been handled. And then we bring in some of the world's best clinicians, and we watch them form partnerships with this horse where they could go through and ride that horse, and on the day, on their last day, take it to an obstacle course. So... Um, it's it's this amazing journey where you get to see them pick their horse, work with their horse for the first time, ride their horse for the first time, and then take it to an obstacle course. And it has all the ups and downs and, you know, mishaps and glory moments that you could imagine. So it, it's, quite the, it's quite the journey. It is quite the journey. And uh, for, for this year, now you had been using horses from four sixes in the past. Where are the horses coming from this time? We have. We have got uh, colts from the Pitchfork Ranch, and it's the first time that we've used the Pitchfork Ranch. And I had the wonderful opportunity to go out and visit the ranch uh, on a couple of occasions and photograph those colts out in their kind of natural state out in their pastures and learn more about the ranch. And uh, it it was just a, a phenomenal experience for me. I wish everyone from the event could go do something like that, but it was a humongous ranch. I, gosh, by memory, I'd have to say it was maybe 180,000 or 280,000. What? It's big. <laughs> wow. 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 I just remember driving well, through and telling me the colts were in the back pasture behind the house, but the back pasture was 8,000 <laughs> acres. <laughs> uh, gosh. Yeah, it's kind of crazy because we have guests on the show and we talk about uh, horses being out in the pasture somewhere on their ranch. And it was like yeah. 25,000 acres in this pasture. It's like, what? Yeah. What? I can't believe that. But uh, yeah, so like do you know any of the history? Of, yeah. yeah. Do you know any of the history <laughs> of the Pitchfork Ranch? You know, yes. And it's owned and still managed by the same family. Um, the thing that really... Um, amazed me about the pitchfork was how working ranch it was and how that ranch is managed and what they have is they have parts of the ranch anywhere from 20 to 50,000 acres in these parcels and they are 
monitored by a camper at each of these camps and it's that camper's responsibility to care for the animals and cattle and that land that him and his family live on. So it's kind of got these little camps around it and then they all come together when they need to do chores together and they all part when they need to look after their land and I just thought that was so cool. That is so cool. That is so cool. It's almost like almost like little mini ranches within a big ranch. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And I just didn't realize that before. I mean, I felt pretty city out there and I thought I was pretty country. <laughs> <laughs> uh, gosh. Well, now tell us who the competitors are this year. This is this is a little bit different the way you're doing this this time. We do. We have uh, three championship competitors, and we're doing kind of this Olympic uh, international kind of showdown this year. So from Canada, we have Tick Maynard. He is a English uh, competitor. He is an adventure um, and has a wonderful horsemanship career that he's had. Um, his family are still up in Canada, and he spends a lot of time in Florida now. So we're very excited to have Tick uh, come to the event. He is an author and has wrote some books about horsemanship that I've read that I really enjoyed. So he should be a great one for us. Um, okay. The next one that we have is uh, Ken McNabb. Everybody is pretty familiar with Ken McNabb. <laughs> yeah. He is a uh, he's out in Wyoming and he's a horsemanship uh, clinician and does camps and lessons and clinics and really is devoted to his career to teaching. So. He's always been a, a bit of a fan favorite for everybody. He's a super nice guy, and uh, we know him pretty well. So, And then the last international and, competitor uh, is Donald Hancock from Australia. Okay. All right. And uh, so tell us a little bit about what people are actually going to see, because it's not just working with the coach. You've got a lot of a lot of activities that are going on at Road to the Horse, a lot of different things that people could see there. We, yeah, we do. For this year, we have a competition, our Wild Cards Challenge, which starts before the main competition. So, I mean, you can kind of look at it like uh, qualifiers or, you know, where we take three additional competitors and they are fighting for a spot in the top four. So this pre-competition happens on Thursday and Friday, and then we will find a wild card winner. And that wild card will go on and compete with the other three international competitors. So it's going to be some twists and turns in there, and we won't know who our fourth competitor is for the World Championship up until Friday at noon when they find out right before they walk into their next competition. That's so going to be that's exciting. pretty exciting. Yeah. That's going to be exciting. Yeah, talk about throwing now, yeah, now and now these these wild card competitors, if I'm not mistaken, are kind of swip, swat, swat, I'll get this out, swapping spots <laughs> with their pen men, aren't they? They are. You know, in Road to the Horse, we have this uh, role called pen wrangler, and basically, it is selected by the competitor, and it is that person who assists them. It's kind of their ground check, their sideline coach and they can pick whoever they like for that although our championship competitors have been crazy talented the level of talent in the pen wrangler lineup has been just as high so we thought it would be fun to give somebody who has had to be a sideline person their time in the spotlight and then their championship competitor in the past who they helped is now helping them 
And we have some really big names for Ken Wranglers. We have Brandy Lyons, we have Pat Pirelli, and Mike Major, all really, really tough championship competitors who are now stepping back and letting their assistants take center stage, which I think is really neat. That is neat, and it's going to be fun watching these guys actually get out there and work because uh, I'm going to I'm going to give Mike Major a really hard time about his job. By the way, <laughs> you know his pen wrangler is crazy organized. When Mike was competing, he had his schedule and knew where to go, and so uh, you know I'm not quite sure. Um, you know, Michael have that same level of organization, but he's a heck of a <laughs> hand to have by your side. <laughs> He's a pretty good hand. As a matter of fact, Mike won Road to the Horse the last two years. So uh, just throwing that out there for people that may not be aware of that. But uh, yeah, that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Now, do you have other activities or, or other exhibits that are we going to going on throughout the uh, course of the event? We do. We have a bunch of horsemanship clinics and stuff in between those main championship rounds when we'll have the round hands up. But we also have other entertainers, and uh, we have uh, Whispery Pines, Perderons coming. They're bringing a six-horse hitch, and they are also accompanied by a drill team called the Wranglers and Piper Yule, who is a young trick rider. So there'll be a lot of other entertainment in between the cult starting action for everybody. Yeah, uh, Piper is, uh, is like, what, 13 years old or something? I think she's 12 or 13, but crazy, yeah, she's crazy what she's doing. Yeah. I mean, she Roman rides those horses around the arena. Like she ain't never broken a bone. <laughs> yeah. That's absolutely wild. Absolutely wild. Yeah, well, in addition exactly to awesome. all of the activity that's going to be going on in the ring with the horses, uh, somebody told me there was some pretty good shopping that was to be had at Roman. You know, horse. I was just well, about to mention that. Because we are full. We are full on the concourse and we're full in the vendor hall. And, uh, yeah, so if you were coming, I would throw out some of those extra clothes you had packed and leave some open space for uh, <laughs> for horse stuff coming back because it's, it's going to be some good shopping up there. I'm telling you what, my wife came back with some new jewelry last year for sure. For oh, we course. have some new jewelry vendors, I have to say. Oh, wow, wow. Wow. Turquoise, that if that's her thing. <laughs> yeah, well, she loves turquoise. She loves turquoise. <laughs> so what is what is the prize money this year, Tammy? What is the prize money for Road to the Horse? We give over $125,000 away to the competitors. So uh, first place is seventy five, and then uh, we go down from there. So uh, it's, it pays to win, but I think the thing that always, like, just makes my heart happy is these competitors can read their colts and how far they can push them and how far they can't. And they are always taking the horse first. And regardless of the prize money, I've seen a lot of great competitors stand down and just say their colts not ready. So um, that's the thing that's always so admirable to me is, you know, it, it is horse first in this and this is what the competitors do. But yeah, that's a, that's a big check at the end. There is. <laughs> there is. Yeah. Yeah, there is, and, and if I'm not mistaken, I think Mike Majors ended up taking his horse, buying his horse, and taking it home with him for the last two years as well. He did, so. yeah. Mike has, I think, three. He took two home from last year, and then he, the one last year was called Talking Cows. It was a four sixes gelding, and 
Yellow yeah. House Canyon is the one that everyone knows just because he's yellow. But uh, I'm not sure. They talked about bringing him back as a saddle horse this year to help in the round pen, but I'm not quite sure if they're going to do that or not. I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised. <laughs> well, that's all taking place March the 21st through the 23rd at the Alltech Arena yes, at the Kentucky the Horse the Park. Finals. When is it? The 24th? It goes all the way up to the 24th. Okay. All right. All right. So uh, that yeah, will be a for the twenty fourth. Twenty fourth. I better make sure I, my reservations are right on that. But, uh, oh yeah. I'm kidding. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, sure, the, I'm sure. They the <laughs> I'm sure they are. But anyway. Um, but anyway, that's going to be a fantastic event. If you have never been, you need to get there and see it. And uh, how can people get tickets? You can go to the website. Uh, we are sold out of VIP tickets and have been for quite some time, but um, there are seat tickets remaining, and it's RoadToTheHorse.com. Okay, RoadToTheHorse.com. Get your tickets. Yep. Be there. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. And uh, we're going to take a really quick break and come back and visit with Tammy for just a minute more on Saddle Up America today. This is a song from Mr. Dave Munzik. It's called like the horses. We'll be back in just a moment on Saddle Up America. If I could run like the horses run, I'd be ahead of anyone. Kicking the red dust at the yellow sun. If I could run like a horse's run If I had a mane on this neck of mine And a big broom tail hanging off behind I'd hang them in the wind, boys, any old time If I had a mane and a tail behind Yes, I'd be free as the wind And I'd kick it up to the sun I'd see a rope coming in And I'd run Yes, I'd run If I could move Away the horses do I'd go anywhere that I wanted to I might run away I might come to you If I could move like a horse Coming in and I 
equestrianlegacy.net on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcast, Spotify, and most streaming platforms. Just search for Equestrian Legacy Radio. Well, we're here talking with Tammy Schrantz, who is the young lady that puts everything together for Road to the Horse. And uh, But we've never talked with Tammy about Tammy. And so I thought I'd like to do that today. So Tammy, how did you get from Australia to Texas? Yeah, you know, I look back on that, and I, I, I'll tell you, I'm 46 years old now, and I came over Just to Texas. Just a baby. Texas Just and, a baby. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, in the middle of it. I came over in 2000, so I was quite young. And oddly enough, I, uh, as I sit right here in the Western Horseman office, this is where I produce Road to the Horse. Um, because we are all part of the Morris uh, Communications Group. But um, as I sit in Western Horseman, it was a Western Horseman magazine that I was reading in Australia that had a job offered in Texas for riding cutting horses. And I just thought that sounded like a pretty grand adventure. And I really didn't have anything to lose. I was raised in a broken home and lost my father as a result of a drunk driving accident. So oh, I was just, sorry. yeah, I was looking for a fresh start, and um, I never got the chance to know him really well. Uh, I was four years old when he passed, but, um, you know, I always think he must have been a, a heck of a man. Uh, he had a love for horses and, and passed that through to me. So here I came to Texas chasing dreams of training horses here and not knowing anybody or anything and not having any money or just a bag of clothes and some grand dreams and just made the leap. <laughs> wow. 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 So, so had you been involved with horses in Australia? I had. Uh, I had worked, uh, and I'm not quite sure, in Texas here, we don't have a lot of standard bred racing. Um, I right. heard they do up north somewhere, but in Australia, right. it's very right. popular. So, okay. yeah, I drove uh, standard breds and also showed a little bit in uh, the Quarter Horse Association in Australia, but... You know, horses there were they were kind of a pastime for everybody and we thought we were serious about horses until I came over to America and you know, realized <laughs> like how deep into horses everybody was. And I'm like, This is this is my place, these are my people <laughs> I gotcha. I gotcha. Well, and uh for folks that are listening, this young lady is a world champion in the cowboy mounted shooting industry. So how did you get into cowboy mounted shooting? Well, actually, it was on a date. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. It, it 
was. It was. You know how you're trying to be cool and you're trying to do the things that they suggest, even though you're petrified. Well, out come the guns, and they were like, you should try this. So, uh, you know, there I was. I wasn't raised around firearms, so I was quite terrified of them. We don't have a lot of firearms in Australia, so it was definitely new to me. But I'm very goal-driven, and I am very uh, competitive. So you kind of put that together, and I wasn't going to show up anywhere and want to come in, you know, last. So, uh, you know, over the period of quite a few years, I worked really hard and um, was able to go on and win a lot of things in that association, which, uh, you know, really defined who I was for a long period of time. And uh, it it was more than I ever thought I would possibly win. So um, it was definitely a great story for me. Oh, that's great. That is great. Well, it's a great sport. And uh, uh, did you happen to know a Marty Luffman? Did you happen to know a Marty Luffman? I I know Marty Luffman very well. I stayed at Marty's house quite often when I was chasing national championships because he was right in the middle of everything that happened up there. So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah I certainly do. Marty, Marty is a good friend, and uh, we both attended school at Lipscomb, David Lipscomb College, which is now Lipscomb University. Uh, interesting thing oh, is God. that neither neither one of us knew that we were into horses while we were in school. You know, it was afterwards <laughs> that we found out that we were both horse guys. So, but uh, oh my and God, then of yeah. course, Marty, uh, yeah, yeah, Marty was wonderful <laughs> for me and was my second home for quite some time because I would stay there in that area and then travel kind of the Carolinas, Georgia, Florida, Tennessee circuit, uh, shooting full time. So, um, he, he kind of let me crash uh, whenever I wanted. I was more of a, uh, you know, a passerby or, you know, an adopted child or something there for quite some time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he's a, he's a neat guy. And unfortunately, uh, somebody ran over, him in his Corvette a couple of years ago, so Marty's been having some challenges. But I did see yesterday, Sammy, that he was able to get in and out of a golf cart and ride around the farm in that oh, golf wow. cart without any assistance. So you know, Marty's yeah. a tough guy. He'll be he'll be back at it. He will be back. At it. It, it is, you know. I mean, it's. I had the same, um, not a not the same accident, but I was hit by a drunk driver myself back in. 2011 and it was life-changing for me and kind of having to relearn a lot of those things again is really tough yeah yeah it it really is so but i'm glad you're doing okay i'm glad marty is doing better and uh yeah so look for i think the first time i saw him in years we were at some horse expo and uh he was just walking across walking across in front of my car so uh yeah, no. we came in and got to visit and got to renew our friendship after after that. Well, I was curious you about know, just, how you. Yeah, go ahead. Oh no, you go ahead. No, I was just curious about how you ended up from Australia to uh, to uh, to Texas, and uh, you have all these different degrees. I mean, you have a master's degree. You have you studied psychology in, in uh, Australia, and such a talented young lady. And and then to find out that you're a world champion cowboy mounting shooter, just—it <laughs> just means I'm competitive at a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, it, so it does. When I had my um uh, my brain injury from the TBI accident in 2011, my neurologist 
I could not ride a horse for a period of time. And it was quite devastating for me. And I knew if I wanted to be stable and have a long-term career, I had to move into the business side of the industry and not the training mm-hmm. side. So mm-hmm. I went back. Uh, he told me to play Lumosity or Tetris or, you know, my neurologist was just like, I want you to do some things to help reconnect your pathways in your brain. So I took a couple of community college classes. I would just pick things that interested me and do that. And then I just decided that my time was better spent just enrolling in another degree. So, uh, yeah, I stayed on and got a Bachelor of Science at CSU and then uh, decided to stay on a little longer and get my master's. But, you know, it was standing there, you know, in my cap and gown, I just, I just didn't believe that I could get there. I mean, I I knew it was a goal of mine, but to finish that degree with a 4.0 and a brain injury, I felt like turning around and saying, all you suckers that (laughs) have a excuse, you know, if I can finish, this is not about being smart. This is about having perseverance, you know, and not having, you know, a quit in you and having grit and drive, you know, and that ambition. So, that's how I ended up with a couple of extra degrees. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Well, you're such a talented young lady. Always great to visit with you. And we look forward to seeing you at Road to the Horse in just a few yeah, more days. You, you, there's like a countdown. How many days are away from that now? Oh, my gosh. We're 36 now, I think. It's on the home page of the website, which always gives me anxiety whenever I look. <laughs> Oh, gosh. It will not be long, but we look forward to seeing you in Lexington, Kentucky on March the 21st, and and, uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's always a great event. It is a great event. Well, Tammy, thanks for being with us to share this information about Road to the Horse and a little bit about you. So it was was great to find out about you as well. Yeah, thanks for having me. Look forward to seeing you in March and look forward to having you back on the show. Thank you so much. Sounds wonderful. <laughs> Thanks. All right. All right. We're going to listen to a song by Miss Trinity Seeley called Cricket Roll. We'll be back in just a moment on Saddle Up America. Tammy, thank you so much. Thank you. i 
trails all lead you home And I'm through with days wandering So I'm coming home to stay The only view I need Is looking through the ears Of that old face Waiting for the solace in my soul Smile as I listen to my pony's cricket Seely Cricket Row. Well, it has been a fun, fun show today on the Campfire Cafe and Saddle Up America. It was great talking with Patty Clayton and sharing some of her great music from her album, The Real West, and then great to visit with Tammy Schrantz and uh, talk about Road to the Horse. So that's coming up March the 21st through the 24th in Lexington. Kentucky at the Kentucky Horse Park. And uh, if you've never been, you'll want to put that on your calendar and go for that as well. Well, it's been a great show. We want to invite you to join us on Tuesday for Live from Nashville. And our guest this week will be Sam Gay and R.W. Hampton. And uh, we'll be visiting with them. And then on the Campfire Cafe next week, we have Alex Dormont with a hot Texas swing band. And they have a brand new album that's out that we'll be sharing with folks as well. And then we're going to Denver, Colorado, to the Rocky Mountain Horse Expo. And we'll be talking about that event that's coming up in March. So a lot of things headed your way on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network, both on Live from Nashville, Campfire Cafe, and Saddle Up America. I do want to remind you that coming up in June will be the Mustang Heritage Foundation, Mustang Heritage Spectacular. That's June the 20th through the 23rd. That will be at the Williamson County Ag Center in Franklin, Tennessee. We have a $150,000 purse. We're going to be giving away $150,000 in cash prizes for three events. We'll have an open show. We'll have an extreme Mustang makeover and our celebrity freestyles, and you don't want to miss that. That's going to be at the Williamson County Ag Center in Franklin, Tennessee, for the Mustang Heritage Foundation, Mustang Heritage Spectacular. You can find out more about that by visiting mustangheritagefoundation.org. Well, thanks again for listening. Be sure and tell your friends about our shows. And again, you can find us on our website at equestrianlegacy.net, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and most streaming platforms to search for Equestrian Legacy Radio. You can hear all of our shows 24 hours a day, seven days a week by going to those different platforms. We're going to close the show today with a great song from my wife, Mary Kay Holt. This is her song, Grow up to be cowboys. 
Thanks for listening. He's kicking up dust all the day long. Bath time's the only time he ain't got those boots on. He'd wear them to bed if you gave him half a chance. While other kids live in a digital world, he's out getting outlaws, the gold and the girl. You can call him to dinner, then the screen door. Slamming again When a boy never outgrows his boots and his hat And the West is its wildest wherever he's at It's a blessing more than a curse Mamas could do a whole lot worse Than see their baby Grow up to be cowboys Don't laugh at his swagger as he's walking by Comes from days in the saddle Underneath God's big sky Growing up Where there's more cows than people He doesn't work till he's tired He works till he's done Comes Saturday night He's out for some fun Out across the county line to two-step and twirl Cause when a boy never outgrows his boots in his hat And the West is its wildest wherever he's at It's a blessing more than a curse Mamas could do a whole lot worse Than see the baby Grow up to be cowboys They'll ride tall in the saddle, live close to the land. Choose the battles and take a firm stand. Put their hat to their heart when they see your glory. Be a part of the legend, be a part of the story. Oh, mamas, I hope that your babies grow up to be cowboys. God gave him a bride, God gave him a home, God gave him a little buckaroo of his own. Now he's paying the bill and praying for rain. Oh, a life lived well depends on the man, but living is sweetest when lived on the land. It's the greatest gift in the world. He can give to his boy When a boy never outgrows his boots in his hat And the West is its wildest wherever he's at It's a blessing more than a curse Mamas could do a whole lot worse Than see their baby Grow up to be cowboys They'll ride tall in the saddle, live close to land. Choose their battles and 
take a firm stand. Put their hat to their heart when they see your glory. Be a part of the legend. Be a part of the story. Oh, mamas, I hope that your babies grow up to be cowboys. Grow up to be cowboys. Grow up to be cowboys.